Welcome to Grace Church San Diego, guys. My name is Scott. I am so happy to be here with you. If we've never met, I'm one of the pastors on staff. And hey, today is a really important message. We're wrapping up the series, A New Us. And it is so important that I would like for you to right now share it. If you're on Facebook, just go below, hit share, share now. If you're on live stream, copy the URL, the, the address, and send it to your friends. It's super important today. If you want to open your Bible today, we're going to look at Matthew 5, and we'll get there in just a second. But as we begin, I want to tell you a story. And I want to tell you a story of two enemies. There was a guy in the late 70s and early 80s named Daryl Davis. He is a musician. He's a black musician who plays blues and jazz. And he was touring all across America, and he decided because of the racism that was happening at that time and spilling from the 60s into the 70s and 80s, he wanted to write a book. And so what he did and what he wanted to do is he wanted to infiltrate the KKK. He ended up infiltrating the KKK by befriending a leader of one of the chapters of KKK. And it's a phenomenal story. What he did is he asked his secretary to uh, set up an interview and they put it in a ho hotel and they invited this guy named Roger Kelly. And he had his secretary set it up so that uh, Roger Kelly couldn't tell he was black even by his voice. And so they kind of tricked him, they manipulated him, but they invited him and he shows up with a bodyguard and the bodyguard was armed and everyone was telling him like, don't do this. Roger Kelly is a mean guy and he's gonna kill you. But something about Daryl Davis, something about inside of him, wanted to pursue his enemy, wanted to understand his enemy. You see, Daryl Davis was a Christian. He was a believer, and he knew something about the heart of Christ. And today, that is exactly what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the heart of Jesus and what it prompts us to do to respond to those that are different than us. And this is a picture of him. This is Daryl Davis and him as a musician. And this is Roger Kelly. I'm not making this story up. It's, it's real and it's true. At the end of the interview, it went pretty, pretty well. It went good. You know, something about the heart of Christ inside of a believer that even just makes you pursue your enemy, that blows me away. I don't know about you, but that baffles me that this man would pursue this man, a KKK guy, a leader, a racist, someone that hates him because of the color of his skin. And yet here he is. Here he is. He's pursuing him. Today, I want to talk about how we are to respond to our enemies. Clearly, these two are enemies. Instead of hating the racist, he responded and pursued with love. And that is exactly what we are to do. I want to remind you, in the very first message of this series, I gave the definition of an enemy. It goes like this. It's a person who is actively opposed or hostile towards someone or something. And I'm pretty sure that Roger Kelly was opposed and hostile towards black people and towards specifically Daryl Davis. This is what I see today. I don't see that happening. I don't see for you and I going across the line and loving our enemy. I see that the church is made up of people who are complaining, arguing, and fighting with people that are opposed to us. There's really no difference between us right now, Christians in 2020, and the world. And yet we are called to reach the world. How are we to respond? What are we to do? There's so many arguments on the table, right? Black lives matter, all lives matter. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You have the left, you have the right. And Christians are joining those fights and fighting across the aisle. That is not what we are called to do. With so many arguments, so many enemies lined up against us. 
How would Jesus want us to respond? How would Jesus want us to engage with our enemies? Today is the last message. It's the last message of the series, A New Us. If you're just joining us, I want you to click over to YouTube and watch all these messages. You know, we designed this message or the series specifically, it's cross-cultural training and servant leadership training, but we felt it was applicable today because we so desperately need to build bridges and show people the heart and love of who Jesus is. So we need to ask this question. How does Jesus, how does God, how does our creator want us to respond to people? How does he want us to respond to the issues? And really behind every issue, behind every social issue or political issue or whatever it is, it's people and humanity and we're all flawed. We went through these different topics. The first week was about openness, and I preached that message to you. The second week, Pastor Jesse talked about acceptance, and then Brooke went into trust and how to build trust. And then last week, Pastor Dan talked about learning, what it means to learn from one another as we learn and draw closer to Christ. And today, all of those characteristics point us in this direction, to love not just our neighbors, people we like and who are like us, but people who are different than us and that we disagree with. How to love our enemies. That's what we're called to do. You know, often the driver behind what it means to have an enemy is hate. And the opposite of hate is love. And we need to look at how God defines love and how God would have us respond in this way. So I want to ask you, who do you love? Do you love your family? That's an easy one, right? Most of us, we love our family. Some of you are shaking your heads no, but you should. You should love your family. Some of us, we desperately love our friends, right? We pick and choose the people like us and people that we like, and so they're our friends, and we, we love them. Some of us would even say we love God. I would say that. A lot of you would say that. You love people that are like you. You love people that you like. But what about people not like you? Right? What about people that are different than you? What about people that you don't like, that you disagree with? That is a little harder. That's another level of the standard that we are called to. Your answer to this question of who you love and whether you love people not like you and that you don't like it, don't like. Your answer to this question says a lot about you and your relationship with God. The way you answer this question says so much about your heart and your relationship with God and you, yourself. Jesus, he told us, he spoke to us and told us how we should respond to our enemies, how we should respond to people that we disagree with, that we can't stand. And what he does is he pulls us into somewhere that we don't want to go. And I'm going to admit, as we dive into scripture in just a few moments, a lot of you will listen to this message and you'll dismiss it because it's uncomfortable to do what this is asking us so desperately to do. A lot of us won't go there and we'll just write it off as another Sunday message. But if you do this, if you do what Jesus tells you to do, I'm going to have it right here on the screen for you. If you do what he calls us to do, it will radically change your relationship, your life, your influence in people's lives, and it'll radically change our world if we all do this. It is so, so powerful. I want to look at this specific moment in Jesus' life. 
So what was happening is he's telling us exactly how to respond in this moment, but there's this famous sermon he gives. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and so many of you know this. But in Matthew 4, it talks about how all these people were following Jesus, and they had heard about him, Jesus, the Messiah, this new rabbi. And so the crowds were coming from all over the place. It says they were coming from Galilee, which was a lot where he was going. He was going from town to town. And from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, it says they were coming from even across the Jordan. They were coming from all over the world and all over the place to hear this new prophet, right? This new, who a lot of people were calling the Messiah. And Jesus, seeing the crowds, he goes up on this hillside. And I can just picture myself on that hillside. The sun is shining and the wind is blowing. And, and here Jesus is with peace and confidence in his face. And he sits down on this hillside, and he begins his sermon, his speech, his, what he wants to say to his disciples. And you have hundreds of thousands of people crowding around on the hillside, standing, listening, observing. And I want you to put yourself on that hill and notice the impact of this sermon, because he is not just speaking to them, he is speaking directly to you, to us, to Christians in 2020. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what he's calling us to do. And I want to get into this. We're going to look at five. We're going to look at 43 and on. And first in 43, he talks about what life should look like. And he says this. He says, you have heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See, what he's doing is he's talking to a lot of Jews and, and others, but he's referring back to the Levitical law in Leviticus 19. You can look it up later. He, it says you should love your neighbor. Just like in the New Testament, it says it in Leviticus. It says you should love your neighbor. However, he's saying and hate your enemy. Why is he saying that? Because it was normal then, just like it's normal today, to hate those you disagree with, to hate those opposed to you, to hate those that are different than you. Jews did not love Gentiles or the Sumerians or other people around. A lot of us are opposed to people that are different than us, that have a different view and opinion, sit on the other political aisle and spectrum. And so we hate those. And it was normal in that culture in those days, just like it's normal today. Isn't that true for you and I? We see it all day long in the media. We see it all day long on social media. But Jesus wants to do something different. And so he refers back to what it says in Leviticus, this old Mosaic law. And he says, I want to rewrite this. I want something to be different about my followers, true Jesus followers. Not just if you call yourself a Christian in 2020 or, or 2,000 years ago. But if you're my follower, I want to say something different. I want you to do something different. And that's where we end up in 44. He says this, but I say to you, you heard that, but I say to you to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I want you, instead of hating, instead of fighting, instead of quarreling on Facebook, I want you to love and pray. I want you to stop and love and pray. That is what he's called you to do. That's what he's called me to do. And I can relate. This isn't just me talking down at you. This is for my life as well. I have those that I can be opposed to. And I need to stop and love and pray. You notice he didn't say to join the Twitter argument or the fight on Facebook constantly, as I see so many people doing. He didn't say, look at the different fights, pick a side and fight that other side. He didn't say to do that. He didn't say, 
to feel. He didn't say, I want you to just sit there and feel a bunch of love for people. He didn't say that. He, he's not dismissing emotion, but he isn't talking about that. You see, love here isn't just agape, God's love. It's agapeo. It's a, an actual verb. It means and requires that we show it, that we take action. This is our words and our behavior should reflect love that he is calling us to do. We should be praying for those that we completely disagree with. If, you're, if you hate racists, you need to be praying for racists, right? as Daryl Davis was doing. If you, whoever you hate, whatever person wronged you in your life, you need to be praying for them. And at some point you need to take action and love them. That is what he's calling us to do. Another thing he isn't saying is, hey, this is really, really easy. He, in nowhere, nowhere did he say, this is gonna be easy, you guys. He calls you to love and pray and he doesn't give a caveat. Yeah, but it's difficult you're good. You get a pass. He doesn't say that. That's not what Jesus is saying. He is giving us a directive. You and I are given a directive by Jesus Christ from his words alone. And I'm just going to say that if you are not loving and praying those that are your enemy, you are disobeying Jesus Christ. What we call that is sin. And so you're not disobeying me. I'm a, I'm a pastor and I'm not holier than you. You're not going against me. You're not going against Grace Church or any other church for that matter. You're not disobeying me. You're disobeying your Savior. If you're not doing this, it's a disobeying. It's a sin. We are called to do this. He goes more into 45, verse 45. I'll read it for you. It says, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So what he's saying here is pretty simple. When we do this, when we practice this, we are literally imitating our heavenly father. We are becoming more like Christ when we're putting this into practice. You remember every single message we gave, we started with this thing, this characteristic that we're talking about is an ability that means you can start, whether you start at a two or an eight, one out of 10, right? Whether you're really good at this or really, it's really difficult for you, you are to practice and improve it. It is an ability and you are called to begin that practice, to love and to pray for your enemy. The next few verses, I think we, we really, really need to hear. It says this. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, you not, do not even the tax collectors do the same exact thing? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This Greek word, and you know, I look at this and I go, I'm never going to be perfect. You, you actually think I'm going to be like perfect like God? It's not going to happen. It's unrealistic. But the Greek word for this, it actually means to be fully developed. It means to be mature. So let's read it again. You, therefore, must be mature as your heavenly Father is mature. You are called to, despite your emotion, despite the difficulty, whatever that is, whatever it's holding you back from loving people not like you and people that you don't like, you are called to grow in maturity in what Jesus is calling us to do, to love and to pray for our enemy. It's really, really simple what he's saying, actually, because it's easy. He's saying it's easy to love people that we like, right? The people that you like, you can hang out with them. It's so easy to do that. 
It's really easy to love people you agree with. It's easy to comment on those on social media with an argument that you agree with. It's very difficult to comment on those that you disagree with. But what he's saying is it's, it, those things may be easy, but it's actually mature to love people that you don't like, that are not like you, that you disagree with, and that is your enemy. It's mature to do those things, and you're called, I am called, to step into that. I always say that maturity isn't marked by how much Bible you know, how much theology you love and study. It's not marked by your intelligence. It's not marked by how much you know about God. It's marked by how well you love people. That's what maturity is. I can tell a mature Christian by how they treat other people. You're not mature to me if you just spout off every verse that's relevant in the conversation. You're mature when I see how you treat people that are different than you. That I see how you treat people that you disagree with. That is maturity, and that is what we are called to do. So when we do this, when we do this, we are more like Christ. We are more like God. And when we don't do this, if we don't do what he's asking us to do, we love ourselves more than God. That sounds harsh, but it is true. When we don't love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us, we love our opinions more than we love people. We love our position more than we love God. And that is just the simple harsh truth that I have to deal with inside and you have to deal with inside. Remember Daryl Davis? He chose to do this. He, at some point, had to read this and go, you know what, I'm going to to obey I'm not, I'm not going to hate those who hate me. He was completely and totally hated by white supremacist racists, by this guy named Roger Kelly. And instead of hating back, instead of fighting back, he chose to build a relationship with them. What happened between them? You see, during the interview, it was really tense. And you can look this up. It's, it's all on YouTube. You can watch the interviews. But it was really tense in that uh, interview, and he comes in with his guard, and his guard has his gun, and Daryl Davis is scared for his life. Everyone told him, he, this guy's going to kill you when, when he sees that you're black, and you tricked him. He didn't even know you were black. But he comes in, he starts the interview, and it was really awkward and really tense, and he starts asking questions, and Roger Kelly would say, I don't want to talk about that, or he would give his answer that was completely racist and showed and, and displayed that he hated him. And then at a moment, he wanted to be, Daryl Davis wanted to be hospitable. And so what he did is he got a bunch of sodas and he put it in this ice bucket and he put it on the table for the interview. And he put ice and he put the sodas in there. And at a certain point in the interview, the ice melted and the sodas fell down. And it gave a certain sound that may have sounded like someone was cocking a gun back. And it, it was a very tense moment. Both of them locked their eyes and they stared at each other with intensity. And it was a very tense moment. And then all of a the sudden, they, they realized what had happened with the ice bucket, and both of them started to laugh. And it showed them that, you know, fear in that moment was just, it was dumb. And, and it lightened the mood, and they ended up finishing the interview. And as Roger Kelly was leaving, he gives Daryl Davis his KKK business card. And he says, hey, yeah, keep in touch. Good luck with the book. And Daryl Davis would call him and say, hey, I'm going to be in the area. I'm going to be playing music at this show or this club or whatever. You should come down. And he be, they began a relationship. 
And out the, after the course of a couple years, they would go to each other's houses, they would go out to lunch, out to dinner, and they developed this friendship. Roger Kelly would invite Daryl Davis to a Klan rally. And news started to catch wind, and it became national news. And Roger Kelly is interviewed, and he said, why, are you, why do you have this friendship with this black guy? You hate these people. And he says, we have a friendship, but I will never leave the KKK. It is cemented in me. Those were his words. A little later, Daryl Davis is interviewed, and he said, yeah, I, I know he said that, but there's cracks in his cement because of our relationship. And then soon after that, on camera, you can watch this if you Google it, Roger Kelly is on film renouncing the KKK, and he takes off his cloak, his cloak, he takes off his hood, and he gives it to Daryl Davis as a gift. And throughout the next 10 years for Daryl Davis, almost 200 people renounced the KKK because he developed a slow and steady love and friendship and relationship with members of the KKK. He knew what it meant to love and pray for his enemy. And I'm just wondering if you're willing to do something like that because that is something so impossible. It's something I would look at and say, are you kidding me? This is what they look like together as friends right before he renounced it. And I look at this and say, this is so impossible. This isn't something that we see today. And I just, I, I gotta be honest. I don't see us Christians doing this. I don't see us reaching across the aisle to our enemy and loving people as we should. I'm, I'm not seeing that. And I want to see that. I want uh, all of us to experience this kind of relationship, this kind of love that God has calling us to do. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do you do this? Do you love them? Do you pray? God loves your enemy, but do you? And instead of our, you know, our dysfunctional Facebook fights and our complaining, I just, I think that instead of our, you know, internal tension and frustration and then lashing out at people, we should stop. We should pause. We should stop and allow God to change our hearts so that we can become more like him by putting this into practice, to love and to pray. And if you're one of those people like, this is just me, I'm older right? Or I'm set in my ways. No, change. You can absolutely change. Don't use that as an excuse. I see a lot of people too saying, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yeah, I get that, but there's no buts. This is a commandment by your Savior. Jesus is saying, do this. Don't just talk about it and then say, but, and justify your behavior. Do this. Put this into practice. So what does this look like for you and I? How can we do this? I'm going to give you something to do, and I can't make you do it. I mean, maybe I can. If you want to put your address in the comments in 10 minutes, I'll, I, no, I'm not going to do that. That would be weird. But listen, here is something you could do. I want you to take out a piece of paper or take out your phone. If you're on your phone on the message, don't do it there. But take something out and write down someone's name that's your enemy. Write down, maybe it's a people group. Maybe it's all of Republicans, all of Democrats, all of what, whoever it is for you. And I want you to begin to pray for them. Maybe reverse it. Start praying for them and at some point, reach out. At some point, do something with your words or your behavior that shows and demonstrates that you love them. Don't take too long. It will never be comfortable. But I want you to do this. Take something out and put this into practice and you will be changed by it. If you need to apologize for something, do it. If you need to not talk about a specific social issue just to show you love them, do it. 
if you need to forgive someone, then do it. Work on it. Work on that ability of what it means to love and to pray. Let's obey the words of our Savior. If we are his disciples, his true Jesus followers, let's do this. Grace, we can completely change our church, San Diego, and our world if we would only do this. Daryl Davis demonstrated it for us. And I want to walk in Jesus' footsteps. I want to become more like him. And I want us to pray in a moment that God would, would take root in our hearts so that we would do this together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching this that don't know you. Some people online right now don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. And so if that's you, I pray that you would call out to God. Maybe you, you felt that you're God's enemy and you're not. He died for you. Taking in and understanding and receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ is acknowledging your humanity. It's acknowledging that your heart needs to respond back to its creator. Jesus is the son of God who came to earth to die for your sin. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do all the, like, here's the seven steps. You don't have to do any of that. Just have your, resp your heart respond to him and say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. You died for me, so I receive your love. I receive your salvation. And I, I give you my life. Jesus, for all of us, I just pray that you would teach us in the season to lead us. Help us to love and to be more like you. And may your spirit guide us in that direction. And God, I just pray that our lives would reflect who you are so that we would show the world who you are. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.